Good morning, LCM. Today is Sunday, May 12th, 2019. It is Mother's Day. The title of today's sermon is Preserving the Promise, a Mother's Value. This is, this is a special day for us here. Uh, the last few Mother's Days, we've had uh, some baby dedications. As I said before, we're going to get to those. We're going to need to do a couple of those because we are being so fruitful as a church. We're going to need to have multiple uh, baby dedications over the rest of this year. But as we're getting started, I want to remind you that Pastor Eric and Jen, that Elder Baj and Natalie are in Baton Rouge at King's Harvest Church today, bringing uh, life everywhere that they go. We have Pastor Matt and Cassidy, Rick and Susan, Mandy and Chloe in Indonesia with the Vincents and One Light Ministries. They've already had time to preach in the orphanage and uh, are out ministering in local neighborhoods called Kampoons. Uh, we need to keep our families lifted up in prayer. Uh, I just wanted to start today and say I think this is going to be a special Mother's Day for you. This is a unique time for us as a church where we have so many who are currently pregnant, who have just had babies. I'm looking at Susanna. I'm looking at Eve. I'm looking at so many who have just recently had babies. Uh, we have so many that are yet to come. I'm looking at Lindsay Ludwigson, who's going to have a set, a matching set, twins coming up soon. Man, we are so excited about this. What a joyous time. I want you to remind you of just what the Lord has just spoken to us during the worship time. The Lord is trying to give us reason for confidence. He is trying to give us an overwhelming understanding that if He is with us, He will cause everything to work out in accordance with His will. If you are not with Him, then you have no reason for confidence. You have no, nothing that you can hang your hat on. No reason to be confident. But if you are, if you have dedicated your life to Him, then you should have confidence in what He's doing. Yeah, that deserved a better amen. I know it's early in this, in it. You have every reason for confidence. And this is what we're going to, we're going to have a great time today. I am looking forward to it. I, we have, I've already had a great time in worship. We've already had a good time. We're, it's going to get better from there. We're going to have a great time. I want to encourage you mothers. I want to encourage you wives and ladies in the room today. The goal of today is to encourage you. We are a very male-centric, male-focused kind of church. And we should be. It is to your advantage that we are. Today, we are going to talk to you ladies. We're going to talk to everybody in the room. But I, I have some, I believe that the Lord has given me some special treasures for you this morning. I, I, I can't wait to get to it. Mother's Day was actually officially instituted in 1914. President Wilson enacted this, but it was in response to the efforts of one lady named Anna Jarvis, who years before had began a campaign to honor her late mother, also Anna Jarvis. Within a few years, though, Miss Jarvis began to loathe the commercialization and the product pushing of the masses from the greeting card and the flower industry. It took like two or three years before everybody was like, Yes, let's honor mothers. Yes, that's a great boom for our business. Let's do both. So much so was she affected that she was even arrested taking a stance against Mother's Day. The commercialization of what Mother's Day had become. See, we're not fighting for commercialization here today. There's no need to be arrested, at least not for that reason today. We're going to celebrate our mothers and we're going to do it in a royal biblical kind of way. Uh, I, I do have to start off by saying, ladies, we do have a problem as, as the men in the room. 
You see, you're usually the ones that are the gift givers. At least in our house, my wife is the professional, excellent, unparalleled, unmatched gift giver. I appreciate when you tell me thank you for the gift that we have given you. The way that I gave you the gift was to instruct my wife to get you a gift. And help provide the finances. And then she did it and made the magic happen. You are the thoughtful creatures who understand not only the fashion, the seasons, but you also understand the pinings of the one that are to be blessed. We as husbands can be at a loss without our easers in this regard. How do we rightly honor and value you today? Our most precious asset. Our most intimate confidants. The most life-giving, joy-seeking, awe-inspiring component of our very lives. So I've, I've been working really hard. I've been trying to think through how do we value our mothers today. I actually have a slide that I want to show you. This is an attempt. You may not be able to see it, so I'm just going to tell it to you. It will be online later that you can download and look at and zoom in on and kind of check it out yourself. This was an attempt for 2019 to value what mothers do. If you can't see it, what they've done is they've taken, for instance, a cook. And then they give the number of hours per week that you might be cooking and the current average pay scale for a cook in the United States. Uh, a taxi, a chauffeur driver, teacher, instructor, childcare worker, <laughs> licensed practical and vocational nurses, maids, housekeeping, meeting, convention planners, all the way down. They've tried to individualize kind of like you could a la carte what a mother is, and they've assigned value based on the number of hours per week. Does that make sense? The total down at the bottom right is $71,297 for a stay-at-home mom. The value in 2019 terms, $71,297. Some of y'all are like, man, that's right. Some of y'all are hurting your husbands now with the elbow into the ribs. The smart ones in the room, those gifted from above, should be saying, though, that's not anywhere close. Much higher. Just praise pump that thing right up. Just get it up higher. The problem with this is it's, it's a nice attempt, right? I appreciate that someone did this. But this valuation has some problems to it. It neglects some important aspects that you as women do, that you as mothers do. See, this valuation was actually formed by a company that sole job is to sell life insurance. So it is to their advantage to set a number that you should then buy life insurance based on, even for stay-at-home moms. So there's personal gain. Even in trying to bless mothers here today, the whole entire system is that there is something that somebody was trying to get at anyway. Today we're going to discover a value of our mothers, of our women here in this place that's far above $71,297. We will do this without false inflation, without ulterior motives, and without the possibility of selfish gain. We can be confident in this. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 31. Y'all ready to just have a good time today? Yeah. I got to tell you, ladies, you look beautiful today. All the floral prints. All the dresses. See, we even have a place in the back that after, since you're all dressed up and looking beautiful, I mean, you're always looking beautiful, but today is something special. 
We even have a place in the back where you could take a picture with your family. Come on, husbands, don't miss out on that. We've got some gifts for you that we're going to hand out a little bit later today. But we're going to take a look at Proverbs chapter 31. And we're going to start in verse 10. Are you there with me? Is everybody there with me? All right, we're getting there. All right, amen. It says this, a wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than $71,297. She's worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. Man, a wife or a mother of noble character. The word here, we, we are used to hearing about the phrase, a gibber hayil in Hebrew, a mighty man of valor. This phrase here is an ishet hayil, a woman of valor, a brave, noble, honorable woman, successful in everything she does, and she's worth far more than rubies. The truth is, is in our day and time, it is a normal process for women to be fighting what they feel is value. Feel undervalued by a lot of different things that can go on in our lives. But I can assure you that the God of all creation has instilled purpose within you that is vital not only for you, but it's vital for your family, and it's actually vital for LCM. See, this ties in perfectly. The prophecies that came forth during worship couldn't have, couldn't have been any more perfect about what we're going to talk about today. There is a reason to have confidence today. The good news, fellas is that this confidence is supposed to be for us as well. But we want our wives to have confidence here. Let's begin to look at mothers in the Word and start to treasure the value of every woman here in this place today. Turn to Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 7. Genesis 2, 7. It says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground. And breathed life into his nostrils, the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Pastor, I thought we were talking about the mothers. We are. Just trust me. We're going to get there. The man, the Lord God formed the man. I want you to take a look at the next slide that helps you to understand what forming the man is about. It's yatsar. It's a verb meaning to form, to fashion, to create it. So, fellas, you've been Formed. You've been created. The idea that from nothing, God is creating. I know he used the dust of the ground, but this idea of, of starting fresh was something that wasn't there before. This idea that you were formed by the very hands of God. Look in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 22. The man was formed, but then it said, Then the Lord God made a woman. This word in the Hebrew, if you could take a look at the slide, is to bana. It means that she was built. She was built. Mighty, mighty. Let it all hang out. She's a brick house. See, the idea here is that a man was formed, but a woman was built. A woman was built around something. It was built around a rib of a man, but she was built. See, she was constructed. See, it's hard for me to talk about being built and, and, and not wish my wife was sitting on the front row here. But the idea that God has built the women in this room for a certain purpose. He's got, he had something very, very specific in mind as he was building 
instilling, giving the purpose. It was very, very purposeful what the Lord has done here. Let's go on in, in, our, in our passage in Genesis 2 and keep reading. The man said, verse 23, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Because when he first saw her, whoa, whoa, man. Wow. She's a brick. For she was taken out of a man. She was built. She was built with the idea of being an easer from the very, very beginning. For this reason, somebody say this reason. If you are married, grab your wife's hand ever so gently and tenderly and say, for this reason. Just look at it right in the eye and say, for this reason. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and the wife were naked, and they felt no shame. If you were here the other night for our marriage teaching, you got all that you want to get about that verse right there. While men have been formed, women have been built. I just thought that was just a beautiful picture of what this is today. Purposely designed. Taken from a man's side, but built up, constructed for a very purpose. And this is what we're going to talk about today, is the purpose that you have been constructed for. Because see, if you can be reminded, everything that we do, we have to be reminded of the important stuff. Because we can get easily distracted. But women, if God has built you for something, then you know where the greatest satisfaction you can find in life is? For you be operating in the way that you were built. See, today, I have been constructed and formed to be a pastor. So today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to operate in my gifting, and I'm going to trust because I can have confidence. Not because of my intellect, not because of anything else, but I am going to walk in my calling today, and I'm going to do it in front of you. Because I'm doing that, I am confident I am 100% confident that God's Spirit will be here with us today. I have zero doubt. I mean zero. You could all fall asleep today. You could all get up and leave. And I still have zero doubt that me walking in my calling is going to produce fruit in this kingdom and in this house. See, that's the kind of confidence, ladies, that I want you to have today. That if you are evaluating yourself correctly according to God's Word, that you might be walking with confidence. I I know we have a lot of different ages in here. And I am not being impure in any way. But there's something sexy about a woman who's got confidence. There is something that is pretty special. Do you realize that an attitude can turn ahead more than the exact form of the figure? Somebody who has an attitude that is aligned with the heavens. I'm not talking about something sinful. I'm not talking about something uh, base or perverse. I'm talking about a woman of God who is walking in her calling and understands what God has built her for. That is a beautiful, beautiful thing. That is a godly, that is a powerful thing. You want to have the men in this room uh, have their confidence boosted? you have their wives next to them who are walking in the right way with the Lord. There's nothing, I have no greater confidence than when my wife is with me, than when she is supporting me. When she looks at me and says, yeah, she calls out my Abigail traits to me. There's nothing better 
than having a wife who is confident in who she is. It instills confidence into the husband. Is this true or not, fellas? Man, I want to have some confident women in this house today. I want to have some beautiful, built women in this house. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. So we're going to start off with the first mother. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 20. It says this, Adam named his wife Eve. Because she would become the mother of all the living. How are you built as a woman? Well, let's see what the way the Lord built Eve. How he constructed her. See, the name for Adam here is interesting. This, this name in the Hebrew would be Ha-Adam. The man. The man. Come on, somebody look at your neighbor and say, the man. Not as in, I am the man. But in this case... He was the man, right? The only one. This is Ha-Adam, the man. Not so much his name at this point, but more like a title, right? I was, I was a teacher for a long time, so people started just calling me coach. It was a title that became kind of a name. They became synonymous. With Adam having the authority to name all of the creatures that were before him, he had the opportunity to also name his wife. And he named her Eve. See, now the English gives it to you, and it's, it's true, because she would become the mother of all the living. But there's a little bit of a beautiful jewel that's right here below the surface. This can also be translated that Adam named his wife Eve because she had become the mother of all the living. In other words, she was created to be the mother of the living even before she had children. Okay, okay. okay this, is, this, is where, this is where you need to tune in just a little bit. If you have children right now, it's easy for you to think that, you can become, that you've become the mother of the living. I'm saying even if you haven't had children, I'm saying that even if you've already had them and they're grown, that the idea of the function that you are built for is to become a mother of the living. Man, what a beautiful thought. What a valuable position before children, before natural children. She was designed to be a mother of all the living. How can you set a price on being the mother of the living? Yeah, that's far above rubies, isn't it? Within the women, there is a desire in each to be a mother of the living. I see my daughter, Anna. Come, Come stand beside me, Anna, for just a second. Shoeless and all. Come. I love my Anna. She's a sweetie. You know what I see in her? She's nine. There's much, much time before, a long, long time before she's going to have children. But see what God has put within her? You all actually already see it. If you've got a little one, she will hold your little babies. She will mother them and do her best, even if the babies are almost as big as she is. It's, it's, it's built within women to be a mother of the living. It doesn't have to be hers. It's not. But she will treat your children as if they were, as if what she would imagine that that would feel like. And it's in her, and it's been there for a long, long time. What a beautiful thing that we've been designed, thank you, babe, and built 
to be this way. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 1. I just want to show you something very, very quickly. Exodus chapter 1, and let's look at verse 19, is where we're going to start. These are two women that the Bible names and gives you their name, that Shipra and Pua. Hakuna Matata, right? <laughs> Exodus 1, 19, are you there with me? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives can get there. Well, yeah, you might need to do that if you're in a land that is looking, you're not quite sure if you're ever going to come out alive. If you're the slaves here, you don't know what's going to happen. So uh, there's, there's a different kind of urgency because if they're going to be the mother of the living, then you got to do what you got to do. These vigorous women, built by God, are having kids, they're having their children even before the midwives can get there. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. See, they were designed to be mothers of the living. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. These women, you can only presume that these men, women were have kids on their own, and so they became midwives to help others. What a beautiful picture for us today. What a beautiful, beautiful picture. See, it's not about a selfish game. When you're thinking about being the mother of the living, that is so outwardly focused that you're ready to help anybody to achieve because you're designed, you've been built to be a mother of living things, to bring life anywhere you go, to bring joy where you are. And if you are personally not able to see that in your own life, these women dedicated their lives to making sure that it was seen in other places. And because they were walking in their design, they were walking in their build, they were walking in their calling, what did God do? He gave them exactly what they were doing for others. Boy, this is the word of the Lord for us today. You feel like you have a lack in your life? Then why don't you find somebody and go do that for them? No, pastor, I need it to be done for me. No, no, no. Go do it. Go find what the Lord is saying. Go walk in your calling and go do it for someone else. Yeah, but I need to be encouraged, Lord. I, I'm discouraged, Lord. But then you go encourage somebody. You stop what you're doing. You walk over and encourage somebody else. Yeah, but Lord, I need it. I understand that. I, I, this is not lost on me. The way of the kingdom is what do you need? Lord, I need a word then pray that God will give you a word for someone else. And trust, be confident that if you continue to walk, He will be faithful to you. Wow, what a different perspective. See, if you're walking as a mother of the living, you're ensuring that life is everywhere you go. You can't have that collapse back on yourself because that's not actually life that's worth living. That's not actually what you've been built for. The call to be a mother of all the living, it's not even tied to whether you have children yet. This relates to the young people in the room, the teenagers. This relates on if your kids are already grown. We can celebrate this concept by holding on to the gym, valuing your place in God's great design and becoming a mother of the living. If you're here and don't have the entirety of the family that you are desiring yet, you have desires to have more kids, be faithful to be a mother of all the living, of life itself. Be a mother of life. It can never be self-centered or self-serving, but it has to be focused on life for all. 
What a different perspective. Turn with me to Titus 2. We'll see how the Newer Testament takes a look at this. Titus 2 and verse 3. It says this, Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent. What an interesting way to start a passage, right? Teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. I will not at all try to put a title on what older women, what age that would be here in this room. Because I am a smart human being. And I want to get out of here on Mother's Day to celebrate with my wife. But whatever category that is, there's a mission, there's a purpose that's being built in. See, it's to teach what is good. What's another way to say that? To teach life to people. Then they can train the younger women. Once they've done this right, older women are supposed to train younger women. What are they supposed to train them in? Getting their PhD in quantum physics. Nope. To love their husbands and love their children. To be a mother of the living. To be self-controlled and pure. To be busy at home. What are you busy at home with? Whatever your $71,297 will get you, I guess. Or you can be busy at home with the build and the design that God has purposed in you. To be kind. I'm so glad my kind, my wife is kind and useful. To be subject to their husbands. Amen. So that no one will malign the word of God. So that no one will have the wrong view of what life really is. Man. Turn to your neighbor and say, mother of the living. Turn to the one you didn't want to talk to. Say it again. <laughs> Come on, let's look at another mother. Turn to Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. Let's look at verse 15. So we have Eve as a mother of the living, mother of life. Man, see, I can enjoy this. I can appreciate this because the easer that God has given me, Christy, Lynn, Paroli, Sutherland, Paroli. Yep. That's an actual name. I didn't just spill some testimony that that was her actual maiden name. Paroli. See, my life, my wife is full of life. I love the fact that she, everywhere she goes, there's a smile on her face. If you allow it, if you're around long enough and you turn on the right music, you just might see her dancing for no particular reason. Other than there's music. I so love that about her. I so need someone who is free and full of life like that. I have a fantastic easer who is a mother of the living. Not the mother of the dead. Not the mother of the dying. But a mother of living. Let's look at, let's look at Genesis 17. Let's find another understanding of mothers here. Genesis 17, 15. It says this. God also said to Abraham... As for Sarai, your wife, you will no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. Everybody say Sarah. Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. If I would have asked you 10 descriptors for Sarah, 
I doubt that there's anybody in the room who would have said she's a mother of nations. But it says it right here. Kings of people will come from her. Wow. What an interesting thought. That there's this necessity. There's this need to be looking at the generations. Not just what you have. See, most people get in trouble. For a singular thought. Women here in this church get themselves in trouble. And I'm trying to help you today. If your world becomes about you and only your little ones, then you have lost the perspective that you're the mother of the living and that you're supposed to be the mother of nations. You're supposed to be raising up kings who might go out and propagate other peoples to build up nations. You are built for something. And it cannot be internally focused. Isn't it interesting that a woman is born as a baby with all the uh, eggs that she will ever have? Every bit that can produce generations and generations is in her to start with. She doesn't have to go out and get it. It's almost like she was built and designed to have generations within her. Come on now. This idea of generations is something that we hold to at this church. A woman has all the life-giving, generation-producing power that she will ever need. The goal of motherhood, the goal of every woman in this room, must be to produce nations of righteousness. To produce kings of other people. See, if you're going to talk, we're going to get in this tomorrow night, I know. But just a little bit here. You're going to get yourself in trouble if you think you're raising children. You're raising kings and queens. You are raising adults and they may be in a childhood form right now. That is such a different perspective. I can't even get into it right now. See, the problem is, is if you are considering yourself that you're raising children, you parent them a certain way that by the time you are done parenting, they are still childlike. I'm raising adults in my household. I'm raising Men and women who will stand on their own and be better than me. That's what I'm raising. I'm raising adults. I'm raising kings and queens in the kingdom. This is what has to be at the heart of motherhood and fatherhood. It isn't enough to just sire a child. You've got to produce nations and kings. That is our goal. Do you know it says the phrase generations to come? In the Older Testament, it says it 39 times. 38 of those times are in the Torah. What is the Torah supposed to do again? The Torah is supposed to incline your heart. So in the Torah, if it says it 38 times, by the way, the only other time that it mentions the generations to come is uh, in Psalms, and it's referring back to the Torah. So what is the Word of God trying to teach us? It's trying to say you should incline your heart to be thinking about the generations to come. This is the design. This is, should be built into our mothers. We're going to do some rapid-fire scriptures. So just keep up with me here. Mark chapter 4 and verse 20. It says this, Others like seed sown on good soil hear the word accepted and produce a crop of 30, 60, or even 100 times what was sown. Boy, isn't that the desire of every mother? Isn't that desire of every father? Our crops should be increasing exponentially through the generations. Have you forgotten about that? Is this just old hat for you? I feel like I just lost you for a second. We might be handling the babies in our arms. I get it. 
This should not be something that we treat lightly. Pastor, we know we're supposed to be focused on the generations. Do you really? Because I just have my generation and the next generation that I'm looking at. It's hard for me to fathom what the next is going to be like or what the one after that is going to be like. See, I don't have it all worked out yet. I don't, I don't have enough generations that I can look back and go, yeah, this is what works and this is what doesn't work. See, so I've got to cry out to God now. I've got to have a heart for the generations now. That my kids might be at least doubly productive is what I am. And by the way, I'm going to keep running and make it really hard on them to do that. John 12, verse 24. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. What is the necessity for us to produce generations that go beyond us? We got to die. We have to die to ourselves. Any parent ever felt like that? Any parent who's got a new baby at home and you're losing sleep? I'm going to die. We had Gabriel and Olivia and thought we were going to be done. We were like, yes. People would ask us, are y'all going to have any more kids? And my response was, we have a boy and a girl. We have a complete set. It's a matching set. We could be done. Until many years later, I was praying and the Lord said, what are you doing? I want you to have another child. Yes, Lord. And so I told my godly, incredibly wonderful wife. And with the anointing that comes from an incredible, credible easer, she looked at me with those soft, beautiful eyes that she has. And she says, you're crazy. That wasn't the Lord. So I said to her, all right, why don't you pray about it for a couple of days and let's see what the Lord tells you. See, because in that moment, I know none of you ever have moments that you would ever be embarrassed about. You see, in that moment, what she realized was the sacrifice and the death that was going to be required of her to have yet another one. See, we had gotten past some of those sacrificial moments where your sleep is gone. From what I understand from a lady's perspective, your body is not your own anymore. You have all these things going on and what she was saying was, yeah, I don't think I want that. If I get a choice, no. But the truth is, is within hours, she prayed, heard clearly from the Lord and said, you're absolutely right. See, for us to produce something, we can have a seed, but unless that seed dies, it doesn't produce more seeds. See, we have to continually die. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 8. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, somebody say increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. You have to be always increasing. Always looking towards the generations, always growing. First Thessalonians chapter four and verse one. Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. Somebody say more and more. more, and more. See, what you can't do is fall into a, a 
habit into a pattern of just relaxing, of finding cruise control in your life, of finding where the next moment of comfort can be. Yeah, see, I just got back from a mission trip. There was not a lot of moments of comfort. When you are laying in your bed and it is 117 degrees as you are laying in the bed, you should be praising the Lord. That He's removing this idea of comfort. It makes you want to do more and more for the Lord. When you see the people living in tents that can't have houses because they're Christians, and then you get to go home, you shouldn't have to worry about whether your AC is working as well as you think it ought to or not. Why? Because it makes you hungry to go for more and more. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way. Bearing fruit. Somebody say bearing fruit. Well, it sounds like the heart of a mother, right? Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Hey, this is a church that tends to be hungry. But it's a hard thing to stay hungry, isn't it? It's a hard thing to stay intense on moving forward because once you have it, our natural, everybody say natural, our natural tendency is to want to go ahead and be like, let me just sit back and enjoy this. But see, if you're being a mother of the living, if you're being a mother of, of the nations and of kings, then it requires that we move forward. We've got to advance through the generations. May they say of us that we gave something special, not just that we had something special. I'm going to say that again because I need, I need you to get this one in your heart. May they say of us that we gave something special, to the generations, not that we had something special. Yeah, I want to give something special. I want to be marked by how much I give, not how much I keep. There's a significant problem if there's no desire in us to build the generations. Women are built to build the generations. That nurturing impact that they have, that makes them more valuable than rubies. Ladies, you are more valuable than rubies. You're also more beautiful than rubies. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3. Let's look at verse 1. It says this. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your husbands. Praise God. Made sure we clarified that. To your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your life. You guys have heard this passage before. The truth is, is wives, even if you have an unsaved husband, your purity and reverence is supposed to win them over. How much more can you win over your husband if he is a believer? through the submission, the purity, and the reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment. What an interesting to say, thing to say on a day when everyone looks so beautiful. But your beauty should not come from an outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. It's an interesting thing here, and many of you may know this, but in verse 3, it says your beauty. The word for beauty there in the Greek, if we'll put up the slide is cosmos. What an interesting thought. By the way, this is the same cosmos that you find in John 3.16. For God so loved the cosmos. 
For God so loved the cosmos that he gave his only begotten son. Well, why is it saying here in 1 Peter 3, your cosmos should not come from outward things. But your cosmos, your cosmetics, your cosmeo should come from what? If your world is ordered rightly, if your cosmos is put in the right kind of shalom, if you have your life in order, then you know what you are, ladies? You are beautiful. Yeah, see, that was a good time for you fellas. I'm going to go ahead and say it again because you should have amen there. Ladies, when your cosmos is in the right order, when you're in shalom with both God and man, it makes you beautiful. There you go, fellas. Sorry, ladies. Just take, we gotta, we're going we're gonna to keep working on it, right? That's right. So let's read this again in, in 1 Peter 3. Your cosmos, your ordered regular disposition and arrangement of your life. See, your beauty should not come from the external things. If it requires external things for you to feel, consider yourself beautiful, then you don't understand how you were built. Braided hair won't do it for you. No matter how orderly you are on the outside, it will not replace the disorder that's on the inside of you. Verse 4, instead, it should be, your beauty should be that of your inner self. The unfading beauty. Come on now. Isn't that what our, our, the natural world around us is based on? Let's get enough things nipped, tucked, Botoxed. You can't even smile anymore. Certainly can't blink. Either that or you always look surprised. See, that is someone who is trying to get to beauty through the external world. But their internal world is full of chaos. Instead, verse 4, it should be that of your inner self. The unfading beauty. I love that phrase. Women here today on Mother's Day, I'm telling you how to be unfadingly beautiful. See, it doesn't matter if you gain a few pounds or lose a few pounds. It doesn't matter if you have wrinkles or, as my wife would say, the Gabe crease. A wrinkle specifically designed from my son that came from fussing at him so many days in a row. You see, we should have a better perspective on ourselves and the scripture is giving us how we're built and how we should look at ourselves. Ladies, if you look at the mirror and you're seeing the wrinkles and you're missing the inner beauty, then I admonish you to stop and to make your life be in accordance with the Word of God. See, I, I, want, I want the women in this room to be encouraged. See, for men, it is definitely about our confidence in what we can achieve. But ladies, I am telling you that you are beautiful when your world is ordered. This is good. It seems simple, but I promise you, if you can live this every day, your homes will do better. You won't be discouraged if you gained a few more pounds than you thought that you should. 
You won't be discouraged when the wrinkle lines are there. See, you won't have as great of a need for all the lotions and potions that are made available to women on a daily basis. See, because you will be developing an inner beauty that is unfading. Man. I can't wait till my wife gets all gray-haired. On th- I, oh, awesome. Can't wait. She is not with me, but that's okay. I'm just calling it out in faith. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of what? A gentle and quiet spirit, which means what? That your whole world has been ordered rightly. You know what you're called to do. You have a faith and a confidence in God that all you need to all you need to do. All you need to do is order your inner self and he will produce the results in you that he's supposed to. You can have confidence in this. I don't know. They're going to I don't know about the kid. Yeah, I know that there's worries that come from mother. But see, you're supposed to be a mother of the living. You're supposed to be a mother of the nations. You are supposed to be doing things. And this doesn't relate to only the women in here who have children. If you have no children, if you have no children yet, this still applies to you today. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. When you are ordered, you're even beautiful to God. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves cosmeoed. This was the cosmetics of the real women of God. They were submissive to their own husbands, like Mama Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. When your world is ordered, there is nothing more beautiful. I, I have to be careful because I think there's no time in a woman's life when they're as beautiful as when they're pregnant. I, I am, I, when I first got, you guys know this about me, when, I, when we first got married, I would just walk up. I needed my wife to help me on this. I would just walk up and touch people's pregnant bellies. I didn't know them. I would walk up to random people. We're like, and... Like, ah, I was so excited in my head. This was pure hearted. I was like, this is life. This is awesome. God is so incredible. You're pregnant. And I'd put my hands on them and they'd be like, my wife was like, you can't do that. You cannot walk up to people you don't know and just touch their pregnant belly. I was like, oh, but. But it's a baby. It's a baby. She's like, yeah, you can't do that. And I was like, oh, my bad. <laughs> Sorry. There's no time, I think, personally, that a woman is as beautiful as when she is producing life. When she's birthing kings. I just think that is the most beautiful thing that you can have. See, here you become the daughters of Sarah when you do what is right. What's in accordance with the value that God has built into you. And never, ever, ever give way to fear. Isn't the word of God so good? The truth is, is that is most women's, maybe one of their number one problems is that you're prone to give way to fear. So the Lord just says, do what's right and don't give way to fear. My goodness, that makes you beautiful. The fear that you lack the value that's needed. 
fear that you lack the characteristics to be the mother of the living or a mother of the nations or a mother of kings. The woman who yields to her design is worth far more than rubies. Far more than rubies. She's the daughter of the faithful. This woman is worthy of true honor. Turn with me really quickly to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 in verse 12. I'm going to compare two verses here for you. It says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord is giving you. If you are a less than adult in this room, the word of God instructs you to honor your father and your mother so that you can live a long, long time. Turn with me to Leviticus 19.3. I want you to see that there's a difference here. Each of you must respect, honor, fear his mother and father. And you must observe my Sabbath. I am the Lord your God. Isn't it interesting? In Exodus it says, honor your father and your mother. Do you know what some of the the Hebrew scholars say about this? They say, that the instructions and the order between Leviticus 19 and Exodus 20 are there to teach us a little, a little sub, uh, subtle lesson. Then in Exodus it's saying, honor your father and your mother because it's in the heart of a child to have been treated kind from the mother and needs to learn how to honor the father. So the focus is on the first of the two. Honor your father and your mother. Here it's saying you must respect. Another way to say that is you must rightly fear, reverentially fear your mother and your father. Any moms ever, I mean, ever been so tired at the end of the day when your husband gets home, you're like, take care of your children. Do something with your children, (laughs) right? Because what has happened over the course of the day, there's not the respect towards the mother that should be there. They've gotten the affirmation, they've gotten the love, and it's just gotten a little bit out of hand. And what does the dad do? Ah! Ah! Get it right back in order in a heartbeat. Yeah, they do. Yeah, you do. Right? This is the word of God showing us to respect our mothers. Wow, what a beautiful thing. Both get honor, both get respect, but there's something that is beautiful about what the Lord is teaching us here. Let's talk about another mother. 1 Samuel chapter 1. This is one of my favorites. We're turning the corner here. First Samuel chapter 1 and verse 10. Let's talk about Mother Hannah. We've talked about being a mother of the living. Ladies, everywhere you go, you should be bringing life. You should bring life to your home. You should bring life to your children. You should bring life to your husband. You should bring life at this place. Wherever you go, your beautiful smile is needed because you're supposed to be a mother of the living. You're supposed to also be a mother that is looking towards the generations. Nurturing, doing whatever is necessary to move towards the generations. Let's look at Hannah and see what she offers us in understanding about motherhood. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 10. Are you there with me? In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. You know, I was thinking about it today. We have had some weeping going on in reference to our kids in this church. 
the longing of desiring to have children and it taking years and years and years to move that direction. Having and becoming pregnant and the difficulties of, of miscarriages here in this place has been, the truth is, is even as your pastor, it's been difficult for us, much less for you. Our hearts are breaking when your hearts break. I thought about Hannah. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. She made a vow. Somebody say a vow. Saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery and remember me. Well, isn't that the cry sometimes, ladies? I just want somebody to remember me. Just, is it a big deal that somebody forgets an important date? Yeah, probably so, because it kind of works against this. Lord, just remember me. What a prayer. And may, and not forget your servant, but give her a son. There's a specific request. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. Do you hear what Hannah's doing here? She is crying out in accordance with what she's been built to do. She's crying out to be a mother of the living. She's crying out to be a mother of nations, of kings, of prophets. She's saying, remember me, Lord. I put this in my notes just as the cry of motherhood. Lord, that I'll be remembered. Look at verse 12. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. Said to her, how long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Come on, you wino. Yeah, sometimes when we're crying out to not be forgotten, things can be misinterpreted. Verse 15, not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. Let me, let me explain it to you. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. By the way, how much do you have to be pouring out your soul to the Lord for someone to think that you're drunk? That's not just a little bit of a prayer with a single tear dropping down the cheek. That is something that is moved from within you. I remember uh, growing up in my household and my mom, I remember my mom praying all the time. I remember her crying out to the Lord and calling out people in our church, in our family. I remember my mom washing dishes and crying out to the Lord. Like laboring in prayer for other family members. God, what a beautiful, beautiful mother I have. What a beautiful picture. And I'm reminded of that here. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, go in peace and may the Lord God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. Ladies, what are you asking of the Lord today? You have things that you have before the Lord. You're asking, Lord, don't forget me in this. Please remember this. May the Lord God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then what happens? From great lamenting. Lamenting so much that the the man of God thought that she was drunk. It moves to, then she went away and ate something. And her face was no longer downcast. Because the Lord spoke, she immediately moved. I love this incredible woman. I love this incredible mother. She grabbed hold and became a mother of promise. A mother 
of the promise. The agony of longing for something produced in her the perseverance and the desire to preserve the promise that God had given. Man, what a beautiful thing that we should have here in this place today. She made a vow before the Lord, one that ultimately did not focus on blessing her at all. Do you realize that? Lord, give me a son. If you give me a son, I'll give him back to you. Wait, wouldn't you think that that would mean that Lord, give me a son so that I can enjoy him? There was no selfish gain. There was nothing that she got out of it except for the fact that she was holding on to the promise. She was preserving the promise of God and her life was a testimony to see that God heard. God answered. I don't even get to keep the thing that he's giving me. I don't even get to take full possession of it because I'm giving him back to the Lord. Man, what a beautiful, beautiful picture. Look at verse 24 of the same chapter. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When they slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, As surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you, praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the church. Nope. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Her call to be a mother of all the living was carried out and she found out that it was worth the sacrifice. The perversion that happens to focus on these ideas for personal benefit is something that must be eliminated immediately. See, unfortunately, in our day and time, it's not unusual for women to hide behind their children. No, I'm just trying to be a good mother. No, you're not being what God has designed you to be. You've got to be a mother of the living. You've got to be a mother of kings and of nations. You've got to be a mother of the promise. What is the point of having a child unless you're going to actually understand and give them to the Lord anyway? Her call to be a mother of nations, of kings, of priests, of prophets was fulfilled in a way that would not just produce one priest, uh, one prophet, but an entire school of prophets because that's what Samuel created. See, that seed that would die would produce other seeds. Her call to to preserve the promise is carried out with no fear, only full execution of the promise that was set before her. Look what happens. Look in the next chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 2. Let's look at verse 9. It says this, from her mouth, she's not even pregnant yet. She's not had the son yet. She's saying this, he will guard the feet of his saints, but the wicked will be silenced in darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Yeah, that that makes sense for the woman who was crying out to the Lord and just needing God to move on her behalf. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He will thunder against them from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his Messiah. This is the first time in all of Scripture that the idea of King and Messiah is put together in the same Scripture, and it's from Mama Hannah. A mother because she was ready to preserve the promise. Let's look in verse 18 of Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel 2. But Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy wearing a linen ephod. 
That's kind of a neat juxtaposition. A boy wearing the garments of a priest. Each year, his mother made him a little robe. Aw, made him a little robe. And took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. So every year, she makes him one little set of clothes, looking rather dapper because he gets to put it on as he is growing because he is spending his time in the presence of God. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. Then they would go home. Every year, this was the pattern. A new little, a new little ephod made for him. May the Lord bless you. Then they go home. Next year, same thing. And the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Besides Samuel. Well, the one who could not have children was blessed. Why? Because her focus was on preserving the promise for others. Her focus was on yielding what the Lord had and giving it back to him. And the Lord turned and blessed her. Man. See, what if you're not able to have kids? What if your kids are already grown? If you become a mother of the living. If you become a mother of of the nations, if you become a mother of the promise, what happens is you can begin and have many, many, many spiritual children. I think of Miss Joe and, and Elder Charlie. I, I, I like, I don't usually do this because I don't want it to become, uh, I don't want anybody else to take it wrong, but I think of Miss Joe as Mama Joe. I love Mama Joe. I know she's got children that are here in this house and are, are doing fantastic. They also have many spiritual children. Man, what a, what a beautiful thing that we should all be shooting, shooting towards. As I get ready to close, turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We don't have time to get to a lot of the mothers that, that are in Scripture. You know, I was thinking about Samson's mother. Manoah's wife, you know, you know the one I'm talking about, right? Yeah, the one who the Bible never gives us a name because she's just wife of Manoah, mother of Samson. Come on now. Come on, moms. You ever just thought about, you ever been introduced? Yeah, this is such, this is, this is Zadok's mom. Yeah, you don't even get a name. It's just mom. This is, this is Chris's wife. Yeah, that's my name right there. Wife, mom. But you have in Manoah's wife, in Samson's mother, what you have is a woman who so dedicated herself and her own life that she paved the way for a judge of Israel, a deliverer, a savior for the nation of Israel. In Luke chapter 1, in verse 13, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. You know how this story goes on. Zechariah is like, hey, how can I know this? I'm old. She's old. And the uh, angel Gabriel gets mad at him. <laughs> He's like, I stand in the presence of God. You're going to question what I'm saying to you. I stand where God is. 
So you're going to be mute for the next few months until the baby's born. How many of us would be mute if God held us to the same standard today? How can you doubt what God has said to you? He gave you a prophecy in tongues today. He gave you to interpretation today. How can you do anything but trust that you can be confident in him today? Yeah, but I don't know if, if, if this is going to work in this situation. Yeah, be careful, Zechariah. <laughs> be careful. You know what the interesting thing is? Is Elizabeth's name, her name means oath of God. A promise of God. That's what her name means. And where did the problem come in for Zechariah? In the promise that God was giving. See, what I want to encourage you today, ladies, men, everyone in this room, that we have to be those who are going after preserving the very promises of God in this place. See, I'm not going to leave it alone. The fire and glory that was preached a few weeks ago, yeah, that was supposed to be the start, folks. The year of prosperity, the season of prosperity. Yeah, that's just the start, folks. We have to be able to preserve the promises that God has given us. And ladies, you're supposed to be the ones that are helping us in a powerful way. This is what you've actually been created and designed to do. If you're like my wife, we'll be out somewhere and my wife will begin to mother children that are not ours. She would laugh at me because I would want to touch a pregnant belly, but she will fuss at a child because they're acting a crazy person. Because it's in her to want to nurture. It's in her. It's in her design. What we can't do is turn those nurturing only towards us. We have to keep thinking about all the living. We have to keep thinking about the nations. We have to keep thinking about preserving the promise so that God can get glory. The last mother that we'll talk about. Luke chapter 1 verse 28. The angel went to Mary and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Hey, ladies of LCM, can you look up at me for just a second? We're going to talk about Mary. You have been highly favored by being in this house. You've been highly favored that what the Lord is doing in your husband's is something that is for the generations. You're highly favored because the Lord is building into you things that are supposed to reach the generations. See, if we can keep that in mind, if you don't lose heart, if you can get your life ordered rightly, you will not be discouraged or become weary and well-doing. You will not lose heart when the day doesn't go quite the way that you thought it would be because, see, what we're doing is we're aiming for the generations. And a God who is promising us, whose sermon after sermon over the past few weeks is saying, you should be encouraged. You need to lift up your eyes. You need to work on preserving the promise. Don't let the promise die inside of you. Don't be like Zechariah who's saying, I am talking to a very angel who stands in the presence and I'm doubting the promise that God is giving. The angel went to Mary and said, greetings you who are highly favored. Ladies of LCM. I'm declaring to you today as your friend and as your pastor, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Isn't that interesting? It is human nature 
to hear great things and be troubled somewhere down on the inside of you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this must be. See, we're using it as the great, one of the greatest greetings that has ever been given to a human being in the entirety of Scripture. And she, she's saying, wow, I wonder what he really means. I wonder what God really means when he says, and you fill in the blank with whatever God has spoken to you. I wonder what he really means. No, I think he means exactly what he said he means. I think he said when we can be confident that we're supposed to be confident. It is no longer imperative on you to figure out what he's saying. It is now imperative on you to be confident. I got one amen on that. Chris is going to get the blessings from heaven on that. You no longer have to worry about trying to understand and comprehend. You just worry about preserving the promise that he's given you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Didn't he say that before? Greetings, you who are highly favored. He had to say it again. Lord, say it to us again. She immediately begins to doubt her value and the way that God has built her. Don't be afraid, though, Mary. You are Eve's daughter. You're a daughter of the living, even though you have no children yet. Don't be afraid, Mary. You are Sarah's daughter. Do what is right and don't give way to fear. You will bring forth nations and kings. Don't be afraid, Mary. You're Hannah's daughter. You're going to bring forth the promise and the promised one. Look at verse 35. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. I don't know how many weeks along that is. You'll have to forgive me. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Do you see the shift that happens? I don't know about this greeting. I don't quite understand. And then there's a shift that happens. She's like, oh, wait a minute. I'm Eve's daughter. I'm Sarah's daughter. I'm a daughter of Hannah. I am going to just shift everything right here. I am the Lord's servant. I no longer question my value. I no longer question how I was built. I no longer question the things that the world is showering upon me to question. I will only care about preserving the promise that God has given. That's the only thing that matters anymore. She immediately moves from questioning her place, her value, her build, her design. And she quickly moves to a servant only tasked with preserving the promise. What happens today if we move from the questioning phase to a preservation of God's promise phase? Going after, nurturing what God has built within you. Maybe the confidence that we're seeking is in the transition to this. Maybe you don't need to work up your confidence. You need to act confidently. You could try to silence all the questions or you can just act as if there are no questions. And let His power fill you because you're walking in your calling. Because you're walking in the design. You're walking in what God has built. Look at, look at Luke 1, 45. 
Luke 1.45 says this, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill His promises to her. You who are highly favored, you know what made her blessed in addition to the highly favored? Maybe she was highly favored because she had a propensity within her to trust in the promises of God. Wow. What promises do you need to be reminded of today that the Lord has said? Look at the next verse. She began to say, because she so trusted in the promises. The promises were not yet fulfilled, church. This is, she is not singing this after she has the Christ child. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For He has been mindful of the humble state of this servant. And from now on, all generations, see how she's the mother of the generations here, will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. He extends mercy to... Uh, His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers. He's brought down the kings. He's lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things. She is saying this from a position of strength before the promise is fulfilled. Goodness gracious. This is not just here. In Luke 2, we know the story. Jesus is left behind for a few days. They come to him and he responds to his parents and says, Don't you know I had to be about my father's business? Don't you know I had to be in my father's house? And you know what the word of God says about Mary in that case? It says that she treasured these things in her heart. Boy, isn't that the nature of a mother? to treasure what is going on. What about you today? Mothers, women, teenagers. What about you today, fathers? What about you today? What promises has God spoken to you that you need to become alive in preserving? See, ladies, you are designed to be a mother of things that are alive. You should walk into a room and bring life. You know why? Because God created you to do that. A mother of things that are living. A mother of nations and kings. Mothers who are nurturing and preserving the promise. Just as any mother knows how to take care of a baby. See, the thing is, is these characteristics aren't just about women. These are all said about the Lord. How he is moved with great compassion. Isaiah 66 says, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. Well, what a a beautiful thought. As a mother is nurturing and preserving the promise, God says, I will do the same thing for you. He's going to cover us with his feathers. He's going to be one who is compassionate and gracious. What kind of promises do we need to preserve today? What kind of confidence should you walk in today? Would you stand with me?
I want the women and the families in this house to be encouraged today. And one of the most encouraging things that you're going to be able to do is to have each and every one of us. Uh, I don't even know how many weeks ago was was uh, pass, was Passover Easter Sunday. That was three weeks ago, something like that. See, it's not enough that we had Resurrection Sunday a few weeks ago. If you're not walking in the resurrection power today. It's not enough that we've had sermons that taught us how to have fire and glory. If you're not preserving the promise today. If you're not nurturing that, if you're not causing that to grow in your lives today. Man, what a beautiful church we have. Women who are learning to walk in their call. Men who are learning to walk in what God has formed them to be. We have to preserve the promise today. Amen? I don't know about you guys, but that word is is very needed. It's needed for all of our mothers, and it's needed for us husbands to hear. Sometimes we see our wives do things. We don't quite understand what's going on. We realize that every woman has an innate nature to preserve what God has given. That's why we see our wives trying to save as much money as they can at the grocery stores. Why we see our wives nurturing children, being so careful to take care of things because it's their nature to preserve so that the promise of God will continue and go on through generations. So beautiful, isn't it? I want to close with a couple passages. Isaiah 54, verse 1, if we can put that on the screen. Isaiah 54 a prophecy that is pretty familiar. Theologians talk about it. They try to decide, is this talking about Jerusalem? Is this talking about the church? Is this talking about the Gentiles? I want to think for a moment about who is saying these verses, okay? The Lord is saying in Isaiah 54 verse 1, Sing, O barren woman. You who never bore a child, burst into song and shout for joy. We're going to burst into song and shout for joy in just a second. You who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Think about that for a second. You mothers in the room. How many times as a mother... You are trying so hard to preserve that promise, that little promise that God has given you. You are trying so hard to keep the household together. And at times you may feel barren. At times you may feel like a desolate woman. Come on, come on mothers in the room. I know what happens when things go a little bit out of order, not just all the way out of order. When things go a little bit out of order, you start to feel barren and desolate. Feel like your your day has just erupted into chaos. Look what the Lord is saying here. Sing for joy. Because more are the children of the desolate woman. God is able to take a woman who feels desolate 
and give her joy in singing. Verse 2 is a word for, for the mothers in this church. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. That is God's word to the mothers in this church. Your descendants will dispossess cities. What you are doing is raising up generations who will go and take the fight to the enemy. We are a church that believes in the generations. We can't do it alone. Out of all the powerful men and women in this church, we won't accomplish everything that needs to be done before Messiah returns unless we raise up the generations. The Lord says, enlarge, stretch out, do not hold back anymore. Wives, mothers, it's time to be encouraged in this house. It's time to let go of the reserve and stretch out all the way because God is going to cause the increase. Do not be afraid in verse 4. You will not suffer shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. Is it easy to be succumbed to fear? Is it easy to feel like you're, you're suffering shame? Is it easy to feel like you are being disgraced? Perhaps when your children are acting out. When your children are going crazy in public, isn't it easy to feel a little bit disgraced? And the Lord says, don't. Don't be afraid. Don't fear disgrace. And forget the shame. Because what He is going to do is He is going to cause an increase in this house. He is going to cause glory to happen through what the mothers are doing. Amen? I want to end on Philippians 4 as we get into worship. You men, just bear with me. Most of the time we preach to the men almost every, every week of the church. But women, I want you to hear this. Verse 4 says, Rejoice in Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Everybody say that with me. Rejoice. rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We've got some of the strongest mothers that I have ever seen right here. And what we need to know is that God wants more. God wants us to enlarge our tents this morning because He's going to give us more. God is going to give more increase in the house. He's going to bring in a greater harvest to this house. He is going to enlarge the tents of this house. But He is calling to you this morning. Do not be anxious about anything. Let your requests be made known to God. If you're struggling with fear, if you're struggling with, with possible outcomes this morning, I'm talking about very real things. I'm not just talking about fear in general. If you're talking about specific, if, if you're thinking about specific things that you're afraid of, things about your own children, shortcomings in your own life, shortcomings in your household, the Word of God says to you, 
do not be anxious. The God of peace will give you a peace that transcends everything so that you can, you can do what you are called to do. How many of you want that peace this morning? Now that's not just for the mothers, that's for the men as well. How many of you want that peace that transcends everything? And as we get into worship, let's come. Let's make our requests known for God. Let's have some of the older women, Miss Joe. Let's have Miss Joe come up, pray for younger women. If you're a mother here and you're you are having requests that you want made known, have Miss Joe pray for you. If you're struggling with things and you want to have the peace of God fill you, come up to this altar and make your request known to God. Stretch out this morning and let's see God break out in our households. Amen? So mighty God, we lift our hands to you. Lord, we thank you for what you are doing. Lord, we thank you for the word that you've given us. Lord, we, we want to preserve that promise that you have given. Lord, we ask that you would help us to grow. Lord, we lift up our arms to you and we ask that the peace of God would fill our hearts so that we would have full confidence in you. Mighty God, we love you in Jesus' name. We pray that you would fill this house with rejoicing and joy so that we would enlarge our tents.